Well, again, I want to welcome you all to our time of worship this evening. For those of you who are listening in live and Zoom, and for those who listen to this recording later on, uh, we pray that God will bless us as we worship him together. It says in Psalm 92, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. And we are going to give thanks and praise to him now in our homes. Sarah and Anselm will lead us in praise. They'll present for us. You'll hear their voices. And no one else will hear yours apart from whoever's with you and uh, our Lord in heaven. And we're singing that Psalm 93a, this short psalm to the tune 197. The Lord is king. He's robed with majesty most bright. The Lord, he has been armed with strength. He clothes himself with might. All of Psalm 93a, we sing in praise to God. The Lord is King, is robed with majesty most bright. The Lord, he has been armed with strength. He calls himself with might. He calls himself with might. Establishes the world, but will it never be? From everlasting you are God, and throned eternally, and throned eternally. The floods, O Lord, lift up, the floods lift up their voice, the floods lift up their pounding waves, and make a mighty noise, and make a mighty noise. More mighty than the roar of many waters, or the breakers of the sea. On high, most mighty is the Lord, most mighty is the pray together. Mighty God in heaven, we thank you for the wonderful words of this psalm of praise, reminding us this evening that you're the God who's ruling and reigning over all, even over the most difficult and trying circumstances of life, that you're enthroned in heaven and at your right hand is our Savior, your Son, made flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and it is in his name that we gather remotely this evening to bring to you our praise and worship from our homes. We thank you, mighty God, that you meet with your people as we meet with one another and as we meet around your word. We thank you for the blessings of your day already to be able to worship you and hear your word. And we ask, mighty God, that as we gather to worship this evening, that you'll bless us in our homes tonight, all who listen in now and those who listen later. We pray that not only will you inform our minds from your word, but that you would transform our lives by it. We thank you, Father, for all your provision for us. We thank you for the greatest provision of all that you've made in the gospel of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. We thank you for his life and his death and his resurrection, for his ascension to your right hand and his ruling over all things. And we rejoice at the prospect of his return. We confess our sins before you, Father. Forgive us that we have not walked with you as we could have and should have. Forgive us that we've not seen to the things of life that we might have done. And we ask that you would pardon us afresh and fill us, mighty God, again this evening with your word and with your spirit and shape our lives as we go out to live for you in this broken world. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We're continuing our studies in the Acts of the Apostles this evening, coming this evening to uh, examine a, a long section in the Acts, uh, from Acts chapter 22, verse 22, reading then to the end of, uh, or rather going to the end of chapter 23. So it's a long section. I'm not going to read it all. Uh, I'll read portions along the way for you, and I trust that you'll know uh, something of this passage, and reading the portions of it will refresh you. You remember how Paul has come to this moment he has gone to Jerusalem with some uh, other men bringing gifts from the Gentile churches for the churches in Jerusalem, which were mainly uh, made up of uh, Jewish converts. And while he had, was in the city of Jerusalem, there in that city, his opposers seem to have followed him. They have stirred up trouble for him. And in the midst of uh, Paul going to the uh, into the temple, others have come and a, a riot has started. They have false accusations against Paul. Uh, just in the nick of time, we would say, the, uh, uh, a guard of Roman soldiers come and they whisk Paul away from danger. And as he has been taken out from the, uh, the area where he was and back into the, uh, the Roman garrison uh, nearby, he asked the commander if he can speak to the people and in chapter 22 last time we saw him speaking to the people and telling them the wonderful news of the gospel and then we want to pick up at verse 22 and I'll read a little further and then stop and explain a little bit more of the flow let's hear God's word at this point in verse 22 of chapter 22 up to this word they listened to him then they raised their voices and said away with such a fellow from the earth for he should not be allowed to live. 
And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks, saying that he should be examined by flogging to find out why they were shouting against him like this. But when they had stretched him out for the whips, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, Is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said to them, What are you about to do? But this man is a Roman citizen. So the tribune came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? He said, Yes. The tribune answered, I bought this citizenship for a large sum. Paul said, But I am a citizen by birth. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately. And the tribune also was afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. Uh, just ending there, the reading for a moment. In the next little section, the, uh, the tribune wants to get to the, the heart of the matter. And he has arranged a, a meeting with the, the Jewish leaders. And the Jewish leaders are called together. And uh, we read at verse 1 of chapter 23, looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I've lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law? And yet, contrary to the law, you order me to be struck? Those who stood by said, Would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was a high, the high priest. For it is written, You shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Paul then goes on to speak to the, the leaders and he speaks to them about the, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We read in verse 11, the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, take courage for as you've testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. Then in the next little section, you remember the, the, the outline of the story. The, some of the Jews are intent on putting Paul to death. And Paul's nephew uh, hears of this plan and uh, brings that message uh, uh, to the, the Roman authorities. And they, they wanted to ambush Paul. And because Paul's nephew has overheard this, Paul is then going to be whisked away to Caesarea eventually. We read from verse 22 then and 23. So the tribune dismissed the young man, charging him, tell no one that you've informed me of these things. Then he called two of the centurions and said, get ready 200 soldiers with 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen to go as far as Caesarea at the third hour of the night. Also provide mounts for Paul to ride and bring him safely to Felix, the governor. And he wrote a letter to this effect. Claudius Lysias to his excellency, the, the governor Felix, greetings. This man was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them. When I came upon them with soldiers and rescued him, having learned that he was a Roman citizen and desiring to know the charge for which they were accusing him, I brought him down to their council. I found that he was being accused about questions of their law but charged with nothing deserving death or imprisonment. And when it was disclosed to me that there would be a plot against the man, 
I sent him to you at once, ordering his accusers also to state before you what they have against him. So the soldiers, according to their instructions, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. And on the next day they returned to the barracks, letting the horsemen go on with him. When they had come to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they presented Paul also before him. On reading the letter, he asked what province he was from. And when he learned what province he was from, sorry, and when he learned that it was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing when your accusers arrive. And he commanded him to be guarded in Herod's praetorium. Well, it's a very wonderful section of Luke's account of what was happening in the life of the Apostle Paul. And it's a section that has so many applications for our lives. But I want to focus in just on two words in the passage and use that as a key to unlock some of the other wonderful truths there for us. Two words, take courage. And that's something that the church has needed to hear in every age. The church needs courage and strength. If we were with some of our brothers and sisters this evening and some of the persecuted churches, we would need this constant call to us from the Lord Jesus. Take courage, even in our own land. The church of Jesus Christ, you and I too, we, we need to take courage. There are different temptations upon us, temptations to wander away from God's word, to compromise, to, to fit in with the world. And we need this constant cry into our lives. Take courage. Sometimes in the life of the church, in individual congregations, we can look out and all we can see is the weakness and the difficulties and the challenge. And we need to hear this wonderful cry of Jesus Christ. Take courage. And it's there for you in chapter 22 and verse 11. The following night, the Lord stood by Paul and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. Take courage, the Lord Jesus said to the Apostle Paul. There were challenging days ahead for the church, and these words that came to the Apostle Paul would have echoed for days to come throughout the church. And she would have been encouraged to live on for Jesus Christ. And these words are to encourage you this evening, Christian, to encourage us in our congregations for whatever the challenging days ahead may hold. Here's a message of hope. Here's a message to stir us up. Take courage. And as we look at this long section, I, I want to draw, you, draw your attention to Three different strands in this that will enable us to take courage. First of all, take courage. He rules when it's all so puzzling. Take courage. The Lord Jesus rules when everything appears to be such a mess. Just imagine you're in the Apostle Paul's situation or you're, you're watching the events unfolding in his life. It's a rather up and down experience. He's been miraculously rescued from a mob that wanted to murder him. Uh, a troop of soldiers have come sweeping down from the Roman garrison into the temple area and have carried Paul away in the nick of time. He, he must have seen it as the angels of heaven coming. 
He must have felt like the psalmist escaped out of the fowler's snare like a little bird. How hopeful Paul must have been. And if you'd been watching, we would have been filled with great hope as he asked to listen to the, or to speak to the crowd. And as the hush fell and everyone began to listen, it must have been such an elating thing for Paul. But look at the response in chapter 22 and verse 22. When they heard Paul speak about the Gentiles and that Jesus Christ was interested in them, they raised their voices and said, Away with him! Get rid of him! Kill him! If we could do it, we would do it. Just be rid of him and be rid of his message. And again, Paul is wonderfully rescued. The soldiers come again and they take him away just in the nick of time. Things were up, things were down. And and look at what happens to him now when the soldiers come to take him away. Uh, Maybe he felt, and maybe as you've been watching, you would have wiped the sweat from your brow and said, whoa, let a sigh of relief. Paul's escaped again. But it's actually out of the the frying pan and, and into the fire, because you look at verse 24, that, The tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks, saying that he should be examined by flogging to find out why they were shouting against him like this. This was the Roman special interrogation technique. It was their own form of waterboarding. They would bring this man to the verge of death by lashing his back. He'd be bent over a pillar, and the the back of the prisoner just pulled to pieces of his flesh and the, 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 the tribune says, well, we, we'll get to the bottom of this. Get the, get the whip out and we'll sooner this all sorted. How, how confusing, isn't it? Uh, it's down, it's up, it's down, it's up. It's so puzzling. What a roller coaster it must have felt for Paul. And so often uh, for the life of the church, Throughout history, for our lives, it's just like that. It's so puzzling when we stand back and look. Things seem to be going so well. Then things are down in the depths, and then things are up in the heights, and it's no sooner in the heights, and there's some other problem. But this passage is reminding us that amidst all of those puzzling circumstances, that the Lord Jesus Christ still rules. And he reigns over all. This wonderful little incident as Paul has been stretched over the pillar to have his back flailed. And he, he just speaks out and he, he says, is it right for you to be doing this to a Roman citizen? Uh, wow. And it's all stopped in an instant. We're not told the details of how Paul actually came to be a Roman citizen, there are all sorts of um, suggestions in the, in, the, in the commentators, but wherever it was in his family's past or why, why it happened, he's, a, he's been a Roman citizen, we're told, from his birth in verse 28. The Lord had ordered these events even before Paul was a follower of Jesus Christ. The, the Lord had been governed the, the, the circumstances of his family. The Lord had been governed, the offer given to him of being a a citizen of Rome. And and the Lord was in charge of it all. God had weaved things into his past that would preserve him in the present. 
and would keep the gospel going and the purposes of Christ being fulfilled into the world. What a wonderful truth for us to remember that when life is very puzzling, that Jesus Christ is still in control and it's not puzzling to him. God doesn't scratch his head and wonder about the situation that the persecuted church is in. What will he do? God's not puzzled or shocked by the pandemic that stretches across all of the nations of the earth and affects God's people as well as others. All of the while he's ruling and he's governing all things. So take courage, Christian. Take courage for the church when it's all so puzzling and it's not the way you would love it to be. Take courage in your own life when you can't see the road ahead because it's so up and down. And our calling is to walk on in faith and to trust him in the midst of it all. And therein he's glorified. Take courage. He rules when it's all so puzzling. Secondly, take courage, for he equips his people for witness. Take courage. He equips his people to witness for him. The Apostle Paul, in his love for his fellow countrymen, was so eager to speak to them. He longed to tell them of the gospel of Jesus Christ and had some opportunity to do that. But they were baying for his blood and no doubt he was cut short and would have said even more, but his mention of God being into the Gentiles was the last straw for them. But take courage. The Lord was in charge, maneuvering all of these events so that the Apostle Paul will now have an opportunity to bring this message of the gospel right to the leaders, right to the religious leaders of the day. The Tribune has despite his attempts to flog the Apostle Paul. That had to be aborted, but he still wants to get to the bottom of it. Verse 30. But on the next day, desiring to know the reason why he was, that's Paul, was being accused by the Jews, he unbound him and commanded the chief priests and all the council to meet, and he brought Paul down and set him before them. You see, unknown to the tribune, Unknown to this pagan Roman soldier, the Lord Jesus Christ had enlisted him to be Paul's preaching planner. He was the one that the Lord was using to open up a wonderful new opportunity for Paul to speak, not to the crowd now, but to the religious authorities. But it doesn't go so well. But take courage. God's at work, remember, when it all looks so puzzling. If we'd been watching this unfold, we'd have been so excited. Oh, he's got an opportunity now to speak to religious leaders. This is going to be the beginning of something great. Uh, look how careful Paul is as he speaks to them. Little things in how he speaks to them. He's, he's saying uh, very important truths as he begins in verse 1 of chapter 23 and looking intently at the council Paul said brothers brothers 
I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. Paul says that very carefully. Brothers, Paul is making his point clear. I belong to the church of God that stretches through the ages. I'm not some weird outsider who's come in with some new message. I'm right at the heart of the message that God has had for his church and through his church for the world through the ages. But his statement when he says, I've lived before God in all good conscience up to this day. In other words, Paul was saying, I've been faithful to what was right and I've been true to that as I've spread this gospel. That is just simply too much for the high priest. And so in verse 2, the high priest orders uh, whoever's standing by Paul to strike him on the mouth. In other words, the high priest is saying, well, will someone shut that man up? My judgment is that it's, that it's lies that are being spewed out of his mouth and someone, someone needs to stop him. Someone thump him, hit him now, hit him in the mouth. Don't let anything more come from his mouth. And look at Paul's response to this strike. He says to him in verse 3, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law, and yet contrary to the law, you order me to be struck? Actually, God did strike down the high priest. It's Josephus, the, uh, this, the great historian, a Jewish historian. He, he recounts actually how the high priest was killed. God struck him down. And Paul's comment to him that he's a whitewashed wall. Uh, some of the younger ones maybe not know exactly what a whitewashed wall is. Uh, whitewash was a sort of watery paint you'd have used in olden days. You had an old cottage, and uh, I can remember at my grandmother's house the the white walls of our cottage. And every year they would be whitewashed, and over the years, uh, tens and scores of layers of this watery white paint would put on. And I used to love to find the little bits that were boost, and you could tap them, and you could eventually poke your finger into it because their little bits would be lifting off and it would be hollow in behind. And Paul's saying to these, to these uh, religious leaders, you're just like that. You're just empty. You give all this show, but there's, there's nothing to what you're saying. And you're not the speakers of truth. You're just covering up things. Of course, others are, are shocked by what Paul has so boldly said. And those who stand by were told in verse 4 said, Would you revile God's high priest? How dare you speak like that to this great man? And look what Paul says. And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest. For it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. What does that mean? Some of the commentators would say Paul had just got, well, he's just been thumped in the mouth. Uh, they'll say, and uh, he's just lost it. Oh, oops. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, I lost it. Uh, is he saying, oh dear, I couldn't quite work out. Uh, I'm not seeing very well these days, and uh, I'm not sure if the high priest has his uniform on. I don't find any of those suggestions that helpful. I do find the suggestion of 
J.A. Alexander, an old commentator, very helpful here, and uh, I, I think he's right. He said, this is a fulfillment of the promise of Jesus Christ. You remember how the Lord Jesus had promised his disciples, Mark 13, 11, when you come to trial, don't be anxious. Say what is given you for uh, the Holy Spirit. He will speak through you. He'll equip you. And Paul was being equipped here in a very difficult situation. And he's boldly saying to these men, you've corrupted God's ways. And he speaks with boldness as he's directed by the Spirit. His boldness goes on in verse 6 and following. Uh, and don't be confused by verse 6 when it says, when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and one part were Pharisees. Paul knew that. And knowing that truth, then, he, he gets to the heart of what, the, what uh, God's people had believed throughout the ages, that there would be this resurrection. And he, and he spoke boldly to the, to the religious leaders of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what we have here is a wonderful example of the equipping of God for the church of Jesus Christ to speak boldly out into the worlds. He'll give us the grace and the strength and we ask him. He'll give us the words as we, as we seek to learn them and uh, seek to receive that word into our lives. What an encouragement for the church in every age. One of the things that Christians are concerned about in these days is, well, how will the church speak into this new uh, COVID-19 worlds? Well, we'll be given the words to speak. We'll be given boldness to speak as we rely on Jesus Christ. So, so take courage and don't be afraid. The same in your own witness. Don't be afraid. But take courage because he equips his church and his people for witness. Thirdly and finally, take courage. Jesus Christ can't be stopped. He cannot be stopped. So be full of courage. And how helpful for the Apostle Paul to receive these words at this time in his life. Take courage, for as you've testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. The Lord Jesus was encouraging his servant Paul. And it was encouraged, an encouragement was just the thing that he needed. And it's such a powerful thing, encouragement, isn't it? You've experienced that in your own life. You're trying to do your work and someone says to you, you're doing a good job. Keep going. And I've got something more for you to do. There's, there's a wonderful, uh, uplifting uh, thing that happens when there's a word of encouragement reading a little book but at the minute by Mark Chansky. It's just called Encouragement. And he said, encouragement is like adrenaline. You know, you hear these wonderful stories about people in a, in a situation and they're maybe able to lift part of a car off someone who's been trapped underneath it just with a rush of adrenaline. They're, they're able to do things because the, the, the strength comes to them. And Chansky says, encouragement, it's like that. It's it just gives you just an extra strength and 
Paul's been strengthened. And Jesus said to him, I've been watching what you've been doing, Paul. I've been watching you speak about me in Jerusalem. Done a good job. And I've got something more for you to do. Lord Jesus Christ knows exactly when to encourage his church. But the plan unfolds now in a very strange way. Look at chapter 23 and verse 12 and following. We would say it's in all one of these dips in the roller coaster that's right down into the subterranean depths, this part of the roller coaster ride. Paul is about to be assassinated now. Uh, we're told there that there was a plot and men, grown men, had bound themselves by oath. We're going to kill this man. It was the last thing we do. Forty of them. You see the, the hatred of humanity for the gospel. And they've gone to the chief priests, verse 14, and the elders, and they tell them, we've put ourselves under oath, and we're not going to eat anything, drink anything, until we, we kill Paul. And they hatch, they tell the leaders their plan. Bring him down uh, to you as though we were going to determine his case more exactly, and we're ready to kill him before he comes near. Before he gets the short distance, they're going to bump him off. And they've it all ready. And no one's going to be able to stop them. Oh, wait. They hadn't taken into consideration Jesus Christ. Because he was at work. And his plans cannot be stopped. It was an evil, wicked plan of these men. But Paul's Lord was so powerful that he, is, that he would gather up the ways of the wicked and he would use the purposes of these evil, wicked men for good. He would use the intention of these men to bring the Apostle Paul to the next stage of his witness. The Lord had it all covered. Paul had a nephew, we're told. Verse 16, the son of Paul's sister heard of their ambush. That's all it says. The son of Paul's sister heard about it. We're not told how he heard about it. We're not told the details of why he was in Jerusalem. And uh, we don't need to. But the Lord had governed it all. Grown up in that city, uh, no doubt. Is, uh, and he's come to hear. How did he hear? Well, we don't know. Did he just walk past and heard some men? Was he, uh, was he very close to some of these men? Whatever it was, God had ordained it all. Because the Lord had a plan for the Apostle Paul. He was to witness before the Jewish people and he was to witness to Gentiles and to the rulers of the earth and to Rome he must go. And no 40 men bent on killing him are going to stop the plans of Jesus Christ. Rather, the plans of these men will catapult the Apostle Paul further down the road to the work that God had for him to do to do. Just one insignificant young man, we don't even know his name, and God's going to greatly use him, and Paul will be preserved, and the work will advance. It was even a miracle that the tribune would hear this young man and acted on the tip-off. You'll see in chapter 23 and verse 
23, did you notice something strange about it? I tried to read it in such a way that you go, is that really what happened? Then he called two of the centurions and said, get ready 200 soldiers with 70 horsemen, 200 spearmen to go as far as Caesarea. Seems a wee bit over the top, doesn't it? There's only 40 men, Mr. Tribune. Why do you need all this group and entourage? It seems a bit strange. Well, it's not that Lysias has become converted. He's simply concerned for himself. We see that even in the letter that somehow Luke has got his hands on when he writes this account. And the way that Lysias writes this record, you can see that he's, he's not really interested in protecting Paul. There is someone he's protecting, it's himself. He was afraid, afraid it might get out about the, the fact he was about to beat to death or whip to death a, a Roman citizen. And uh, what Luke is showing us here and what God is showing to the church is that nothing can stop the plans of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is to go to Rome and the Lord Jesus Christ will get him there to speak out the glorious gospel. Even when things seem to be unraveling, Christian, it's not. We don't have to see everything and understand everything that the Lord is doing. We can just trust him. What an, ama what an amazing picture of the love of God, that Jesus Christ would preserve his apostle that the gospel will go to Rome. It will go to the rulers of the Gentiles. Felix will hear. Festus will hear. Agrippa will hear. They'll hear in the courts in Rome. And the Lord Jesus Christ, preserving his church, advancing his kingdom. And we're not surprised. Because he said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Friends, Jesus Christ gets his work done and his gospel goes out to the ends of the earth because he is full of love and mercy for the lost. And if anyone listens to this and you're not yet a Christian, can you not see how utterly amazing the Lord Jesus Christ is covering all these things, all these details of people's lives that the gospel will go forth to the lost? Why would you not want to serve him? Why would you fight against him? Every knee will bow one day before him. And the gospel is freely offered to our world this evening. That to all who bow before Jesus Christ now in faith and repentance, you bring into his kingdom, onto his team, and you be part of something that will last forever and cannot be hindered and a message that one day will fill the whole earth of the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. Take courage, Christian. Our God reigns when it's all so puzzling. Take courage. He'll equip you to be his witness. And take courage because our Savior just cannot be stopped. Amen. Well, we're going to sing in praise to God. From Psalm 67, the air setting of this psalm, message of the going out of the gospel to the ends of the earth. God bless and pity us. Shine on us with your face. 
of the earth and nations all may know your way and saving grace. Psalm 67a, the tune is 212. Let us praise God. God bless and pity us. Shine on us with your face, that earth and nations all may know your way and saving grace. Let people praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise. Oh, let nations all be glad in songs their voices raise your justly peoples judge on earth nations all may all the peoples praise you God praise you both great and small the earth our fruit did yield our God will blessings end God will us bless let all him fear to us remote as end Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word of our commanding officer, the Lord Jesus Christ, to his troops in every age. Take courage. We pray that we would be those people full of courage because our Savior rules and reigns over all and promises to equip us to be his witness and that the spread of his kingdom and his work cannot be stopped. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and the fellowship of God, the Holy Spirit, be with Christ's church. Amen.